TED Audio Collective. Support comes from Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. The best place to see stars is at home with Prime Video. Get everything included with Prime, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine. Rent or buy hits like Mean Girls, starring Renee Rapp. Or add-on channels like Max for the HBO original Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Support for TED Talks Daily is from Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool. You can say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This TED Talk features critical care doctor and medical simulation expert, Peter Weinstock, recorded live at TEDx Natick 2016. What if I told you there was a new technology that when placed in the hands of doctors and nurses, improved outcomes for children and adults, patients of all ages, reduced pain and suffering, Reduced time in the operating rooms, reduced anesthetic times, had the ultimate dose-response curve that the more you did it, the better it benefited patients. Here's a kicker, it has no side effects, and it's available no matter where care is delivered. I can tell you as an ICU doctor at Boston Children's Hospital, this would be a game-changer for me. That technology is lifelike rehearsal. This lifelike rehearsal is being delivered through medical simulation. I thought I would start with a case, just to really describe the, the challenge ahead and why this technology is not just going to improve healthcare, but why it's critical to healthcare. This is a child that's born, young girl, day of life zero, we call it, the first day of life, just born into the world. And just as she's being born, we notice very quickly that she is deteriorating. Her heart rate is going up, her blood pressure is going down, she's breathing very, very fast. And the reason for this is displayed in this chest x-ray. It's called a baby gram, and this is a full x-ray of a child's body, a little infant's body. And as you look on the top side of this, that's where the hearts and lungs are supposed to be. And as you look at the bottom end, that's where the abdomen is, and that's where the intestines are supposed to be. And you can see how there's sort of that translucent area that's made its way up into the right side of this child's chest and that are the intestines in the wrong place. And as a result, they're pushing on the lungs and making it very difficult for this poor baby to breathe. And the fix for this problem is to take this child immediately to the operating room, bring those intestines back into the abdomen, let the lungs expand, and allow this child to breathe again. 
But before she can go to the operating room, she must get whisked away to the ICU where I work, and I work with surgical teams, and we gather around her, and we place this child on heart-lung bypass. We put her to sleep. We make a tiny little incision in the neck. We place catheters into the major vessels of the neck, and I can tell you that these vessels are about the size of a pen, the tip of a pen. And then we have blood drawn from the body. We bring it through a machine. It gets oxygenated, and it goes back into the body. And we save her life and get her safely to the operating room. Here's the problem. These disorders, what is known as congenital diaphragmatic hernia, this hole in the diaphragm that has allowed these intestines to sneak up, these disorders are rare. Even in the best hands in the world, there is still a challenge to get the volume, the natural volume of these patients in order to get our expertise curve at 100%. They just don't present that often. So how do you make the rare common? Here's the other problem. In the healthcare system that I trained for over 20 years, what currently exists, the model of training is called the apprenticeship model. It's been around for centuries. It's based on this idea that you see a surgery maybe once, maybe several times, you then go do that surgery, and then ultimately you teach that surgery to the next generation. And implicit in this model, I don't need to tell you this, is that we practice on the very patients that we are delivering care to. That's a problem. And I think there's a better approach. Medicine may very well be the last high-stakes industry that does not practice prior to game time. And I want to describe to you a better approach through medical simulation. Well, the first thing we did is we went to other high-stakes industries that have been using this type of methodology for decades. This is nuclear power. Nuclear power runs scenarios on regular basis in order to practice what they hope will never occur. And as we're all very familiar, the airline industry, we all get on planes now comforted by the idea that pilots and crews have trained on simulators much like these, training on scenarios that we hope will never occur, but we know if they did, they would be prepared for the worst. In fact, the airline industry has gone as far to create fuselages of simulation environments because of the importance of the team coming together. This is an evacuation drill simulator. So that again, if that ever were to happen, these rare, rare events, they are ready to act on the drop of a dime. And I guess the most compelling for me in some ways is the sports industry, arguably high stakes. You think about how a baseball team, baseball players practice. I think it's a beautiful example of progressive training. The first thing they do is they go out to spring training. They go to a spring training camp, perhaps a simulator in baseball. They're not on the real field, but they're on a simulated field, and they're playing in the pregame season. Then they make their way to the field during the season games, and what's the first thing they do before they start the game? They go into the batting cage, and they do batting practice for hours having different types of pitches being thrown at them, hitting ball after ball as they limber their muscles 
getting ready for the game itself. And here's the most phenomenal part of this. And for all of you who watch any sport event, you will see this phenomena happen. The batter gets into the batter's box. The pitcher gets ready to pitch. Right before the pitch is thrown, what does that batter do? The batter steps out of the box and takes a practice swing. He wouldn't do it any other way. I want to talk to you about how we're building practice swings like this in medicine. We have building batting cages for the patients that we care about at Boston Children's. I want to use this case that we recently built. It's the case of a four-year-old who had a progressively enlarging head and as a result had loss of developmental milestones, neurologic milestones. And the reason for this problem is here. It's called hydrocephalus. So a quick, quick study in neurosurgery. So there's the brain, and you can see the cranium surrounding the brain. And what surrounds the brain, actually, between the brain and the cranium, is something called cerebrospinal fluid, or fluid, which acts as a shock absorber. And in your heads right now, there is cerebrospinal fluid just bathing your brains and making its way around. It is produced in one area and flows through and then is re-exchanged, and this beautiful flow pattern occurs for all of us. But unfortunately, in some children, there's a blockage of this flow pattern, much like a traffic jam. And as a result, the fluid accumulates, and the brain is pushed aside and has difficulty growing. And as a result, the child loses neurologic milestones, and this is a devastating disease in children. So the cure for this is surgery. And the traditional surgery is to take a bit of the cranium off, a bit of the skull, drain this fluid out, stick a drain in place, and then eventually bring this drain internal to the body. Big operation. But some great news is that advances in neurosurg neurosurgical cares have allowed us to develop minimally invasive approaches to this surgery. So through a small pinhole, a camera can be inserted led into the deep brain structure and cause a little hole in a membrane that allows all that fluid to drain, much like it would be in a sink. And all of a sudden now, the brain is no longer under pressure, can re-expand, and we cure the child through a single hole incision. But here's the problem. Hydrocephalus is relatively rare. And there are no good training methods to get really good at getting this scope to the right place. But Surgeons have been quite creative about this, even our own, and they've come up with training models. Here's the current training model. <laughs> I kid you not. This is a red pepper, not made in Hollywood. It's a real pe red pepper. And what surgeons do is they stick a scope into the pepper, and they do what is called a seedectomy. <laughs> they use this scope to remove seeds using a little tweezer. And that is a way to get under their belts the rudimentary components of doing this surgery. And then they head right into the apprenticeship model, seeing many of them as they present themselves, then doing it, and then teaching it, waiting for these patients to arrive. We can do a lot better. We are manufacturing reproductions of children in order for surgeons and surgical teams to rehearse in the most relevant possible ways. And let me show you this. So here's my team in what's called the Sim Engineering Division of the Simulator Program. This is an amazing team of individuals. They are mechanical engineers, 
As you're seeing here, illustrators, they take primary data from CT scans and MRIs, translate it into digital information, animate it, put it together into the components of the child itself, surface scan elements of the child that have been casted as needed, depending on the surgery itself, and then take this digital data and be able to output it on state-of-the-art three-dimensional printing devices that allow us to print the components exactly to the micron detail of what the child's anatomy will look like. And you can see here the skull of this child being printed in the hours before we perform this surgery. But we could not do this work without our dear friends on the West Coast in Hollywood, California. And these are individuals that are incredibly talented at being able to recreate reality. And it was not a long leap for us. The more we got into this field, the more it became clear to us that we are doing cinematography. We're doing filmmaking. It's just that the actors are not actors. They're real doctors and nurses. And so these are some photos of our dear friends at Fractures Effects in Hollywood, California, an Emmy award-winning special effects firm. Um, and this is Justin Raleigh and his group. This is not one of our patients. <laughs> But kind of the exquisite work that these individuals do. And we have now collaborated and fused our experience, bringing their group to Boston Children's Hospital, sending our group out to Hollywood, California, and exchanging around this to be able to develop these type of simulators. What I'm about to show you is a reproduction of this child. And you'll notice here that every hair on the child's head is reproduced. And in fact, this is also that reproduced child, and I apologize for any queasy stomachs, but that is a reproduction and simulation of the child they're about to operate on. And here's that membrane we had talked about, the inside of this child's brain. And what you're going to be seeing here is on one side, the actual patient, and on the other side, the simulator. As I mentioned, a scope, a little camera, needs to make its way down, and you're seeing that here, and it needs to make a small hole in this membrane, allow this fluid to seep out. And I won't do a quiz show to see who thinks which side is which, but on the right is the simulator. And so surgeons can now produce training opportunities, do these surgeries as many times as they want until their heart's content, until they feel comfortable, and then and only then bring the child into the operating room. But we don't stop here. We know that a key step to this is not just the skill itself, but combining that skill with a team who's going to deliver that care. And so now we turn to Formula One. And here's an example of a technician putting a tire and doing that time and time again on this car. But that is very quickly going to be incorporated within team training experiences, now as a full team, orchestrating the exchange of tires and getting this car back on the speedway. And so we've done that step in healthcare. So now what you're about to see is this is now a simulated operation. We've taken the simulator I've just described to you. We've brought it into the operating room at Boston Children's Hospital. And these individuals, these native teams, operative teams are doing the surgery before the surgery. Operate twice, cut once. Let me show that to you. 
You want the head there or head up? Head is coming up. Thank you. And then lower the whole table down a little bit. Table coming down. All right, this is behaving like a good vessel. Can we have the scissor back, please? Adequate uh, taking my gloves, eight and eight and a half. All right, I'll be right in. Have a bigger carrot. It's really amazing. And the second step to this, which is critical, is we take these teams out immediately and we debrief them. We use the same technologies that are used in Lean and Six Sigma uh, in the military. And we bring them out and we talk about what went right, but more importantly, we talk about what didn't go well and how are we going to fix it. And then we bring them right back in and we do it again. Deliberative batting practice in the moments when it matters most. So let's go back to this case now. Same child, but now let me describe how we care for this child at Boston Children's Hospital. This child was born at three o'clock in the morning. At two o'clock in the morning, we assembled the team and took the reproduced anatomy that we would gain out of scans and images and brought that team to the virtual bedside, to a simulated bedside, the same team that's going to operate on this child in the hours ahead, and we have them do the procedure. Let me show you a moment of this. This is not a real incision, and the baby has not yet been born. Imagine this. So now the conversations that I have with families in the intensive care unit at Boston Children's Hospital are totally different. Imagine this conversation. Not only do we take care of this disorder frequently in our ICU, and not only have we done surgeries like the surgery we're going to do on your child, but we have done your child's surgery. And we did it two hours ago. And we did it 10 times. And now we're prepared to take them back to the operating room. So a new technology in healthcare, lifelike rehearsal, practicing prior to game time. Thank you. For more TED Talks, go to TED.com. 